Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard to this week's edition of Thought Crime. First up, Missilegate, fake news, World War Three. Next, the boys and I discuss, are we going to blacklist the Hamas lovers? And finally, Doug Mackey, the martyr. What went on when the Biden administration decided to charge and sentence a meme maker for making memes in 2016? All this and more ahead. Go out and commit thought crime. From the age of Big Brother. If they want to get you, they'll get you. The NSA specifically targets the communications of everyone. They're collecting your communications. Okay, everybody, it is Thought Crime Thursday. Everything. You, by the way, if the media says something, just believe it. That is the lesson of the last week and a half. Blake, hello. Yeah, I mean, I agree. We got to believe the media and everything they do. That's, everything they do. That's what we've been told for years. So why would they lie? Tyler Boyer is with us. Tyler, what's up, guys? It's good to see you. Things are going great. And then Jack Posobiec, what's new and exciting? Believe all media, believe all politicians, especially in matters of war. I know if there's one group of people that would never lie to us, it's the leaders of the federal government. Or send us to war. So, Blake, what, what, what are we discussing first? All right. So, obviously, we've... Last week, Hamas was the big topic. This week, Hamas is still the big topic. They have a way of forcing themselves into the news. So, you know, for years we had to endure, like, disinformation was the biggest threat to the American Republic. It was going to destroy us all if we ever allowed anyone to read an untrue thing. That's why we had to believe all media. It was basically the new national motto. So this week, we had uh, we have this event in Gaza. A hospital blew up, or maybe it was a hospital parking lot, or maybe it was Missilegate. It's not clear. But what the media... What the media said was that, you know, Israel just went and blew up a hospital and killed everyone in Gaza. It was reported by the New York Times. It was reported by Ben Collins at NBC, who never lies about anything. And they basically almost rushed us into World War III. We had rioters outside the U.S. Embassy in Jordan. Uh, we had uh, Iran throwing up a black flag or a white flag. I don't know. Black flag of death. Iran always loves its flags and its suicide morning. bombers and its insanity and all of that nonsense. And, you know, they basically just made it the biggest crisis imaginable, all driven by our media. And now it turns out, uh, you know, it might not have been Israel. It might not have been a bomb. It might not have been a hospital. And it doesn't appear to have been 500 dead, which means it was an entirely fake story. It would be like them reporting on the Titanic sinking. And then it turned out that, like, someone's fishing boat tipped over. <laughs> so, so, Jack, where, where do you stand on this story? I, I, I think that, I mean, obviously the media took and ran with this during the fog of war. It interrupted Joe Biden's potential meeting with al-Sisi, uh, King Abdullah, and Mahmoud Abbas. Uh, Joe Biden is no longer in the region, I think. Joe Biden is left, right? I think he's out of yeah, uh, the region. Yeah. So, so, Jack, how should we think about this? Well, so when it comes to Missilegate, which has really been the topic du jour on, on Twitter, on social media, which then, of course, feeds down into our political discussions and really drives so much of our of our politics, because you even saw this, it, it fed into this, um, I don't even know what we're calling it, insurrection, Hamas erection of the, um, no, I did not just say Hamas erection. Just for the, for the record, Media Matters, I'm not talking about Hamas erections. I'm talking about Hamas erection. Those are something separate, by the way. Hamas erection uh, was when the pro-Palestinian uh, protesters broke into, I think it was Cannon office building, and stormed the Capitol, uh, surrounded Marjorie Taylor Greene, as well as other members of Congress, uh, occupied the Capitol complex there for a number of, of uh, hours until police were able to get them out, some of which, of course, resisted against police, none of which, by the way, will ever, all, all, all in the midst, by the way, of the speaker fight, uh, none of which will be charged for any type of, of uh, you know, obstruction of Congress or any these things like Trump supporters do. And by the way, folks, for all the kids out there watching, that's what actual power looks like. The left can go and do something like this and walk away scot-free, can walk away with maybe a misdemeanor, maybe a fine, maybe not even that. Whereas you and your parents and your grandparents, you're second-class citizens. You're basically sharecroppers because we live in the left's world right now. We live in the uniparty world and we haven't gotten there. So anyway, Charlie, to your point on all of this, 
was that uh, there was this there was there was an explosion, right? It took place in Gaza. At first, we weren't sure what was hit. We weren't sure what was going on. There was a wild, completely sensationalized story that came out that said a hospital had been bombed. And, uh, and that hundreds of people have been killed, most of which were children. Oh my gosh, how horrific, that's insane. But of course me, I'm just sitting there saying, can I see evidence of this? Can I see what actually happened before? Okay, I see your headline, that's, that's horrible, that sounds really bad. I would like to see what the evidence is. There's a guy I follow on Telegram and X, zero uh, sum 24. He's trying to get to be the very first account that got to 100,000 followers while doing so completely locked. This guy is probably the best account on anywhere on the internet to find ground truth of, of any situation. He always gets the spice. They call him the Spice King because he does this, uh, whether it's Ukraine, whether it's Israel, Gaza, et cetera. He's always got videos, both sides, doesn't take sides. Um, and, you know, he showed there were definitely a lot of bodies. There were people killed, civilians killed, or at least people hit in this thing. You know, we couldn't tell some of them were obviously, you know, dead or just injured. Um, but I noticed right away that a lot of the videos showed people who were outside of a hospital, not people who were inside of a hospital. I remember thinking, well, if the hospital was hit, um, why would the people be outside of the hospital? So that was something I had kind of filed away. It's a bit strange. Then we find out the next morning that actually it wasn't the hospital that was hit. It was the parking lot that was hit. So that was lie number two out of the entire thing. Uh, then we get all sorts of competing claims from both the IDF side, from the Hamas side, saying this happened, that happened. But what's really interesting, Charlie, and this I think goes back to your point in terms of all of this of missile gates, is that the New York Times and the AP completely ran with everything that Hamas said. The New York Times even had to change their headline three times in a row as more evidence came out of this entire thing. By the way, uh, we can see very little impact crater there. If, if you guys can throw that picture back up real quick, I can analyze it a little bit. Very small impact crater. Um, that is not something that you would see from a major bomb uh, or for a JDAM or something like that. If there was an aerial burst, you might see something like this. Um, but we're also seeing evidence of cars that were on fire. You also see right there, by the way, cars that seem to be relatively unscathed. And just looking from the picture, it doesn't seem like they could have driven in there after the explosion. So it looks like this explosion only hit some of the cars that were in the parking lot. So, um, you know, to this point, you know, just based on this, this information, you can't really say that this was one way or the other, but certainly those initial claims were false. So, so Blake, the initial claims were false, but talk about the ramifications that happen afterwards, the geopolitical fallout because of the wrong accusations. Well, yeah. So this was happening just as Biden was was traveling to the Middle East. He was going to do a summit in Amman, Jordan, right next to Israel. There was going to be uh, some attempt to quickly broker a deal or some sort of peace, I think, between the wider Arab world and Israel. Keep this from spiraling out of control. And this gets canceled. And it's because uh, Abbas, the head of the Palestinian Authority, he says there's going to be three days of mourning for all the victims of this hospital atrocity. Iran starts freaking out. Uh, the entire Arab world is protesting. And I think, you know, this is probably going to happen anyway. They have their own Arab language media. They have their own uh, social media accounts that they follow that use their impossible-to-read language. But they – this gave a lot more life to it, especially – and it also – it just totally messed things up in the West. We got derailed by this. Uh, this gave a lot of life to all the people who are essentially pro-Hamas in this entire conflict already. And it took them – I think the New York Times took 20 hours before they updated their article to reflect that there was more uncertainty about this. And like 20 hours might as well be a century in modern media time. Everyone is going to remember the original version of this story. No one is going to remember the clarifications later. The New York Times, in its article, talks about a woman walking through the rubble of the ruined hospital, which turned out, no, she was just walking through this bombed parking lot. There was no evidence of a destroyed hospital. But they just repeated all of these lies. And, you know, it seems like now things are, are dialing back without this exploding into a huge calamity. But this is the sort of stuff that you know, leads to actual conflict. You print lies that cause people to overreach themselves, to overreact. And suddenly this dumb terrorist attack has turned into World War III. Or potential. And the, the media seems unrepentant on a lot of this stuff, to be perfectly honest. And so, Tyler, what, what's your take on this? You saw this unfold in real time um, on social media. Well, I 
you know, it, I just keep thinking back to the Ukraine uh, nuclear power plant situation where it was just all this back and forth of what's going on, what's really happening, and, you know, the, the media getting it wrong numerous times along the way. And you've got people here at home who are just becoming pawns of the, the war schemes. So it's, it's insane, totally insane of what, what we're seeing. But people are just, like, totally confused, I think on the ground with that are paying attention and we've got this entire thing going on in Congress and the battle that's happening in Congress. And it's just, people are, people are sick of it. So, so Blake, talk about, do you think the Israeli social media team could have focused their efforts on something other than trolling Gigi Hadid and doing Keanu Reeves memes at the Iranian <laughs> Na revolutionary national guard? It, it wouldn't hurt. Like, it's hard for me to imagine a country like, we think of Israel as this hyper-competent military power, but they are not advanced in meme warfare, it seems. Like, you read that even before, even before the Gigi Haddad thing started happening, they were just posting strange, Im overly emotive things. They want, they did a post that had, like, these My Little Pony graphics. Yeah. I'm not making this up. I don't have it, unfortunately. Someone should, someone on our team should find it. There was, like, this... Is it the it. same firm they're using that was doing the Ukrainian stuff? Like, I it's it, it sounds like... It, it's thing. like it literally might... It's, it's like it, the it same guy. Like some, I don't know... Is it Moldova? What is that? Where they sell all the trolls? The Moldovans are Macedonia. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, like Macedonia. The Macedonian meme warriors. Yeah, it's like they had these, like, My Little Pony graphics that's like, we know your children can't read this, but... You know, Hamas killed all of these children and, and be sure to hug them. And then Israel posts that on one of their official accounts. And then Israel goes and picks a fight with a model. And Israel just posts Keanu Reeves memes. And all of this is like, it's not that it's necessarily bad if, you know, a college student was doing this. But you're a nation state. You're a member of the United Nations. Why are you doing this? And everyone is like... It, it just it's super jarring to see and especially when they're trying to deal with misinformation everywhere it's it's sort of hard to take them seriously when they're also doing this now that doesn't excuse what the press is doing where they've decided oh we're going to believe hamas about everything and race to believe all of their accounts when hamas is you know literally running around chopping children's heads off or allegedly they might have only shot them in the head they might have only you know bashed their brains out you know we don't want to we don't want to impugn the dignity of hamas here uh but it's just uh, this entire incident has not been the finest hour of really anyone involved in it yeah and i just i, I think you guys can hear me now i hope so yeah. um we had some mics cutting in and out better okay good I mean, so here you have the Macedonian meme warriors that are being outsourced by both the IDF and Ukraine. And it would be one thing if they were really good at it, right, Jack? I mean, Jack, you kinda, you're kind of one of the, I would say, brigadier generals in the modern meme war, right? You've survived many such volleys and attacks and salvos from the enemy. Israel can't meme. I'm just going to be honest. Like, Israel cannot meme. Jack Posobiec. Yeah, so I'm not really sure what this was in terms of Israel. I mean, guys, at the end of the day, if you're trying to fight something like this in a meme, for, just stop. Just, just stop right there. Because, uh, again, you know, if you're a powerful military, for you to be posting memes at all is cringe. If you're posting memes that are incredibly outdated, like that particular Keanu Reeves meme, um, it's it's even worse. So what you're actually doing is degrading yourselves and then you're opening your up to comparisons like, um, as we said, uh, like Ukraine, who I think, by the way, Charlie, the bot farms are out of Moldova. The um, the consultants are actually out of the UK when it comes to yeah. uh, when it comes to Ukraine. I was trying to pull up the the actual name here. This I think it was McQ, something like that. Um, so this you know the Ukraine Advice Project and all these different things that just popped up out of nowhere, like all those Ukrainian billboards were suddenly all across the United States, the UK, Australia, New Zealand, like overnight. Um, you know, when this happened, it looked like I snapped my fingers and the TV went off. That was cool. Um, but, you know, e even Iran with their sort of time is up, it reminds me of when they were posting Soleimani memes at President Trump uh, right before President Trump turned Soleimani into Pico de Gallo. And so here's here's a great example of how meme warfare can be used um, in conjunction with kinetic warfare. So President Trump Set, warns Iran to stop having their militias attack uh, U.S. embassies. 
They refuse. These are IRGC-backed militias through, operating throughout Iraq. Soleimani is also there. President Trump orders a strike, kills him, a strike that Netanyahu and his team was supposed to be part of at one point, later pulled out of. Um, then after turning Soleimani into Pico de Gallo so bad that the guy had to be identified by the ring on his hand, then President Trump threw it up and just posted the Star Spangled Banner on Twitter. No comment. That's meme warfare. Okay. So, so Blake. So I, I mentioned this bizarre My Little Pony. Me, I don't think it's not literal My Little Pony, but you'll see what I mean. We it's got very weird. This is posted oh, by the yeah. official Israel yeah. Twitter account. Now, is there a speaker translation issue? Meaning, like, is there some sort of like inside Hebrew culture that we don't get? I'm I'm not Israeli. I don't know. I've shared this. Uh, I've seen this with a few friends. They're all as baffled as I am. So we uh, need a uh, number uh, 101. Yeah. So I want you to read it though. Okay. Well, so we got it here. It's it said they have English on it, I believe. Uh, no, no, we just have the My Little Pony up. Oh, oh, do we not? Oh, text. okay, okay. So this the was like a video. So it's like we know your children cannot read this, and then it goes. We have an important message to tell you as parents. Forty infants were murdered in Israel by the Hamas terrorists, ISIS. Just as you would do everything for your child, we will do everything to protect ours. Now hug your baby and stand with us. And then it shows like a kind of menorah graphic. It might yeah, be like a coat of arms let's, of Israel. Let's play, one, let's play cut 102. Okay, so that's from the official posted by Israel um, at Israel on Twitter. I Hug mean, your baby and stand with us. But this is but what what what? It's just like try to imagine the U.S. State Department doing this, and you know we well, have our differences with the Biden administration, the but. Okay, it's true. It's true. We would do this, and then we would say that that's a very bad thing for the U.S. to do. The, the only country I think that could get away with this is like Japan, because Japan just has no. A that's right. That's what I really ask. Weird. Is that I mean, if there is there some sort of like anime type culture that I'm not aware of in like Israeli culture, like I know they'll do very they'll do very self deprecating like humor. So like when when BB runs for re-election, he'll do an ad where it's like. BB is the babysitter, and he'll like come over and babysit your kids, and they'll have like a strange ad. This is a real ad they did, where he's like the babysitter and shows up and is like trying to like take care of these rascally kids. So you've got to elect him to defend Israel, which they did, and it didn't work out that well, it seems. But so there's a bit of that, but other than that, and then so this is if this were a standalone thing also, but then they go from this to picking a fight with a model and they go from this to Keanu Reeves memes all while they are badly losing an information war over. Well, that's the point, right? So, so Jack or Tyler, whichever one, let's start with Jack. So Jack, here's the hospital thing. I, Israel, they deployed a couple people on TV. They said, yeah, we'll be releasing evidence, but I mean, here's a thought crime. No, I'm not going to do it. I got in too much trouble. Jack, your reaction? Nope, not gonna do the talk friend. Nope, not gonna do it. Sorry, Jack, take Charlie, it away. Nope, nope. Say, uh, Jack, I'll, nope. I'll nope. I learned no, my it's, lesson. It's just, nope, look, can't done. can't do that. Was gonna do it. It was about to be a We've great gotten... question. It was gonna be really good. It was going to be spicy. It was going to be accurate. It was gonna be precise. And I'm not gonna do it. Sorry, Jack. Floor is yours. Yeah. So I mean, look. Yeah, we had Scott Horton on the show earlier today, and and he was dropping thought crimes left and right about who actually got the ball rolling in terms of the dominoes that created Hamas in the first place. And it's it's just interesting, Charlie, because when you look at these, I'll put it this way: Biden was about to have these summits with the the entire Arab world, just about. And and people need to understand that that what we're seeing here is this this. Uh, power struggle in the Middle East. And so Biden blows up the Abraham Accords. Like they're, they're pretty much just gone. They're pretty much just gone right now. And so uh, the the power struggle that's come up is the Sunni world versus the Shia world. So it's like the, the Iran axis versus the Saudi axis. 
And so Hamas, even though they're not necessarily Sunni, or excuse me, necessarily Shia, they kind of align with the Iran axis. Then you have the Arab world, and that's predominantly the, the Sunni axis. So what ends up happening here is that Biden, just look, just look where it, what was supposed to happen. Biden was supposed to have all these meetings with the Sunni axis, with the Arab axis, the Saudi axis. He ends up having none of them doesn't meet with al-Sisi of Egypt, doesn't meet with Abbas, uh, the Palestinian leader, doesn't meet with the King of Jordan, King of Dublin. In fact, the only person he meets with is Netanyahu. So it's interesting that now it looks as though it's, you You just you just see, we we're talking about meme warfare, we we're talking about optics, right? Meme warfare is basically optics. So the optics of posting something like this My Little Pony video, I'm sorry, they're just retarded. It's, it's, it's just, it's so bad. Um, it's it's worse. Like, don't do that. If you want people on your side, do not post things like this. Uh, the same with the the Keanu Reeves meme. Just stop. Just stop completely. Very very bad optics. Uh, you want to look like you're defending your people. You want to look like you're strong. You want to look like you're serious. Yes. That's the optics that you should be portraying right now. Well, and not over the so, top either. You want to look serious. But but anyway, Charlie, the, the optics that they they came up with just to finish my thought is that it's Biden and BB Biden and yet not yet Yahoo and the rest of the world stands with the other side. So rather than Biden come out as a peacemaker, he looks like more of a warmonger. Yeah, so, Blake, this is a point that you have made. You know, we think of Israel that they always have a plan and they move decisively. I don't think they really are sure about their path forward right now. I think that they're still recovering from the attack. There's lots of hostages there's a chance they might not even invade. There's a chance that it, at this point, we don't know. Blake, it doesn't look like Israel has a firm plan right now. Not at all. And in the past, they've been very successful in this way. But remember, in the past, they have more stable united governments. They're better prepared. They have a more, uh, they have a better understanding of the world that they're in. Whereas going into this, was Israel very stable before this attack? I mean, they weren't collapsing, but they had one election after another. Their politics is very sharply divided. Uh, their sitting prime minister is not firm in power. He's actually trying to avoid getting Donald Trump himself. And this attack hits, and it doesn't, it's not the sort of attack uh, like how 9-11 was, where, you know, it strengthened Bush and allowed him, gave him a stronger mandate for action. This is much more along the lines of, well, it seems that Netanyahu allowed something really bad to happen. So his popularity is in the toilet. So his personal legitimacy is lower than before. And now it's, they're initially saying they're going to invade Gaza. And then instead they delay the attack. I think they claimed it was due to weather, but I think a lot of people are wondering, do they just not know what they're going for? And they're, you know, maybe the Biden administration is telling them don't do it. Maybe they're just totally unsure what they're able to get away with here. And, they just seem very uncertain and they don't have, they certainly don't have confidence, I think, in the United States uh, own government to back them up. And it's just tremendously uncertain for them. What are they going to do? And on top of that, the IDF doesn't seem as effective as it was before. The Shin Bet doesn't seem as effective as it was before. This is not, uh, this is a disaster that happened because they were unprepared and they were caught napping. And now suddenly they're supposed to turn around and know exactly what to do and they don't. So, so anyone could take this. The path forward for Israel is going is is unclear. I mean, we, we would think for certain that we would have some sort of path forward. But the real question that people are asking, Jack, is what or Tyler, what is going on with Joe Biden's chin? Yeah, I think <clears throat> I think there's about as much of a path forward in Israel as there is with Joe Biden's face right now, because there's a wide gap that's happening between both his new chins that he has. Um, some are referring to them as chin balls. I don't know if that's something that we can we can go with permanently here, but there's probably as much distance between his chin balls as there are between Netanyahu and Israel wanting to work with him. So that's probably again the the right hand not talking to the left hand, the the right chin ball not talking to the left chin ball, the chin humps. The chin humps. I disagree. Where we're I see. At. I I disagree. I I just disagree. You see, because I don't think there's anything strange at all. Biden simply stores extra moisture in his chin humps for long journeys. This is totally normal. It's something that he does. 
Um, and I don't want to see anybody out here that is poking fun or making fun of Joe Biden or his jaw or his um, other jaw. He's wearing one of those masks that uh, our friend over in the Netherlands wears, I think, when he's out on the beach. Who, Leatherface? Yeah, le- yeah, Leatherface. No, this it looks is like it's like this is face. this is where that's where his see this. So okay, here's my other theory on this, right? What if, what if we haven't been dealing with the real Joe Biden all along? So you see Tony Blinken right there. A lot of people pointed out Tony Blinken. He's kind of the man behind the throne, certainly when it comes to foreign policy. Him and Victoria Newland, so it's the Blinken Newland administration, at least when it comes to foreign policy. And he's sort of looking in like, what is going on right now? Um, what if we haven't been dealing with Biden Prime for years? And it's kind of like that movie, The Prestige. And Tony Blinken's got one of those prestige machines. And see, every time he makes a new Biden, it only lasts for like a couple hours. So it's a use by use basis. So what you're seeing now is one of the Bidens as it's getting very, very close to its rapid expiration date. And he's going to have to, you know, dispose of this one and then make a new Biden very quickly. Man, that is that is, that is tough to well, look for at. For those listening on podcast, Blake, you get the job. Uh, describe Joe Biden's chin if they haven't seen it. <laughs> Come on, Blake. So think of they're listening on audio. Think so they say, two, "What are you talking about?" Think of two withered, be, be very specific, two withered, fleshy, hairy objects separated at a wide distance, and yet inextricably bound together. <clears throat> by a fleshy mass it's it's that nancy pelosi picture of her uh bent over on wearing the swimsuit and it's no it's 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 really close to that i'm just i'm trying to paint a picture for for listeners okay blake should we cancel hamas supporters walk us through the topic and the debate candace owens and megan kelly got in a twitter debate over this Bill Ackman really started it. Tell us all about it. Yeah, so obviously we all know what cancel culture is and how it's manifested. People lose job offers. People get fired from jobs, all for their uh, takes online. And it's always been a phenomenon suffered almost overwhelmingly by people on the right or people on the left who accidentally like go against the code of what a left-winger is supposed to believe. But we're finally seeing something pretty different here, which is uh, we have people on the left who are saying a thing left-wingers believe which is essentially, I love terrorism, death to Israel, and they're getting hit for it. So we had recently uh, the law firm Davis Polk yanked job offers from three people who signed on to statements at Harvard supporting Hamas and opposing Israel. Uh, And there have been a few other cases. And then, as you said, we have Bill Ackman um, on Wall Street saying, we should build a blacklist of the names of people who signed pro-Hamas statements and blacklist them from investment banks, private equity firms, uh, analytics firms, all the firms in the finance world, which of course, a lot of Jews in that world, a lot of Israelis in that world, a lot of people who have looked at these recent events and said, holy crap, these people want us dead. And I don't want to hire those people and I don't want to work with them. But it is, you know, rational to say, or reasonable to ask, okay, these are not still not work-related things. Should we blacklist people for this? And, you know, my initial thought is, Probably the first building block of getting rid of cancel culture generally is, in fact, making sure that people on the left can suffer it as well. Yes. Yeah, and so, I mean, I, I'm torn. I see it both ways, but I'm mostly in the camp of allowing these people to have some sort of punishment and suffering. And what I think is funny is that they're actually too cowardly to put their name behind the statement at first, and they're mad that they got exposed. You have to own your, you have to own your views, okay? you got to own your views. But, Jack, do you think that it is a step too far? Candace Owens' argument is as follows. Candace Owens says that young people do stupid stuff. Thomas Sowell was a Marxist at a young age. Good thing he wasn't put on a list. Good thing that he wasn't canceled. That instead of trying to cancel these kids, we should try to win them over. And that it makes us no better than the left, seething with rage, just trying to get rid of young people that might be making a mistake. Jack Posobiec, where do you land? Uh, Charlie, here's a brief description of my political stance on this. Crush the left 
And uh, I have no further details or policies other than that. Cancel every single one of these commies scum right now. Put them on every single list that's out there. That truck that was driving around with their names, I want to find the guys that were running that truck. And I want trucks all across the entire country with this. I will pay for them to drive around in your neighborhood. These guys, and then you had the global intifada chat and these people running around with like an SPLC lawyer who's like in the chat under her truck name do you have any idea what it's oh i'm so sorry people are like they're crying out there what if the le- what if the left starts doing that to us what if it comes back and does, has, starts happening to conservatives boo hoo where have you been for the last year not even the last 18 uh 18 months, the last eight years. We got a guy, I know we're talking about it later, but we got a guy who's actually going to federal prison over posting Hillary Clinton memes. And you guys are worried about putting people on a list? I'm sorry, stop making justifications for people that want to throw us in the gulags. Mm -hmm. Stand up for yourselves, stand up for our side and actually fight to win. So I, I got to and I want Tyler to be chiming in on this because Tyler has some fun shared history at Turning Point USA. Communists love lists. They've always loved lists. And when you use a tactic against a communist, they usually don't like that. When you use one of their favorite tactical strategies, one of the Alinsky rules against them, they freak out. So we have the professor watch list, which is nothing more than a exposure journalistic type project, right? They hate our professor watch list. Tyler could tell you all about it. In, in some ways, I kind of like using their own tactics against them. Tyler, are you pro-blacklisting the Hamas sympathizer? Can we win these young people over at Harvard University? And remember, it's Harvard. That's an important part of the story. This is not just some sort of local rink and community college. They're hiding behind the, the brand and the weight and the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, the prestige of the Harvard Crimson. Uh, Tyler, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, corporate America, and you brought up the, the professor watch list, right? <clears throat> corporate America has to live by the ex- the same exposure that what the left does to us, right? So the they, you know, people actually don't even participate in that craziest stuff. If you look back at at recent history, and they're canceling people out of banks, they're they're preventing people from participating in normal, you know, everyday activities of life. And this is happening from corporate America. The corporatists are doing this, right? The the individuals who are running. Now, some of the largest organizations that are privately held are doing this to average citizens with no repercussions. I, I don't see any reason at all why we shouldn't be guilt tripping those same people into preventing, uh, you know, into not hiring people who are sim- sympathizing or aiding and abetting terrorists. It is in- absolutely insane. That's just free speech. That's just talking about uh, the things that people are doing in America that shouldn't be okay. And the fact that they're like willing to like take bank accounts away from like kids who are like conservative and people who are participating with conservative politics who are relatively doing very little or doing nothing harmful at all other than participating in the process. But people who are actually aiding terrorists and supporting terrorism and supporting the mutilation of, of human beings and laughing about it. Yeah, they should be exposed and we shouldn't give them a seat at the table. And, and so that's, again, that's not me. I'm not, I'm not the person giving that person a job, but I think it's fair to have that information public and, and that's free speech. You know, that's actually, I actually have a little bit of a different take than, than you, Charlie on it is I actually don't think that that's list material at all. I think that's beyond that. I think that's just open free speech, which is just truth. And I think that that's actually the greatest, uh, combatant to the way that the Alinskyites do business, which is they'll stick uh, a short list of, of us, all of us that are on this podcast right now onto a list and try to exclude us from uh, participating in everyday life in America uh, because they disagree with us. But the only thing that, that that's the Achilles heel to that is the truth, which is continu- continuing, continuing to talk about and perpetuate what's really going on so then people can actually make up their own minds and realize that you know, where we are is actually right in kind of the middle of society and the heart of society. And that's what they hate. They hate that. Blake. So something that stands out to the dynamic here is one thing the left takes advantage of is they take the fact that people in the past have been 
canceled or fired or taken out for conservative or right-wing views, and this feeds itself. They say, you know, you associated with this person who was so bad, he got fired for his views. And, you know, what was the justification for firing mm -hmm. that guy? He associated with someone who was canceled, fired, suppressed for his views. Mm -hmm. And what's the best argument they have for why they're the mainstream, everything they do is acceptable? Because these consequences never happen to them. They're just a mainstream person. You know, No one they know has gotten fired for this sort of thing. And I actually am, relatively speaking, a free speech absolutist. I think opinions, for the most part, are harmless things, and people should be allowed to have them. But we increasingly don't live in a society that operates on that principle. And I think you're unlikely to get into that situation until there's a sense of equal stakes for all parties involved, that everyone has yes. a sense of fear. You know, wait a minute, we're going to just vaporize everyone if we, mm -hmm. if we keep this up. And right now we don't have that. And I think the biggest thing that we want to get out of this is right now people are being fired for saying, you know, oh, all they did is sign a list saying that they're okay with Hamas decapitating babies in Israel. But, <laughs> you know, we actually have had rhetoric like this all the time. We found there, there was, there was uh, one of the people who's actually gotten upset. He's like, oh, I've seen all these liberals and they don't, they're defending Hamas. And this guy in 2014 had uh, a tweet that it was something along the lines of like, I wish we could play pinata with like white guys who hang themselves. And the left has had rhetoric like this about just white people, about conservatives, about whatever group they've decided they dislike for years. And that's all been okay. It finally, with Everyone Israel, did go too far, but we have to point out, this is not a new frontier in the left's rhetoric. It's just that they've finally uh, upset the right people in their own coalition to make them bug out. But I think we need to take advantage of this and point out the left are really a very deranged and violent bunch. And, you know, if they start losing jobs over it, that might be a step towards us having an actual free speech society rather than one where the people who support decapitating children are somehow our chief censors. Well, and, and this brings up the... Yeah, so, Tyler, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, this brings up, again, with the, with the corporate viewpoint of BLM, and we haven't talked about this enough, I don't think, is just the pendulum hasn't truly swung all the way back from the damage that they did by funding at such a heavy, in, in such a heavy way the, the Black Lives Matter you know, activists who burned down cities and now are like the, the greatest Hamas supporters uh, in, in quote unquote normal American society, which they introduced these people to. Sorry, I just wanted to throw that in there too. Wait, wait, wait. Do we have. Yeah, um, so let's. Let, Jack, go ahead. Jack's going to say something. I was, gonna say, do, I, I, I was just going to ask do we have that clip of the, uh, of the Hamas leader? I know it's from a couple of years ago talking about George Floyd. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we could dig that up. We have that in the cut sheet. So, but I, I want to I expand on this a little bit more. So one of the parts of this story that I've been most interested in is Jewish donors getting aggressive. That's really at the base of this, right? This would not be a story if it was not for Bill Ackman. Uh, Huntsman is not Jewish. He's LDS, right? Mm -hmm. Ken yeah. Griffin. Yes. He, John Huntsman left the LDS church, he's, but he's still Mormon. No? He's, he's culturally Mormon. Mormon. He's culturally Mormon, at least. Really? I had no idea. Right. Sorry, Abby. That's a separate, that's a thought. Yeah, great. Um, but there's these other donors too. Mark Rowan from University of Pennsylvania is another one who pilled out a bunch of money. This is promising. It shouldn't have to take this. I mean, I, I do get why this is. I mean, obviously, if you're a Jewish donor, this matters a lot. But here's a thought crime, Blake. When will white Anglo-Saxon Protestant donors pull their money for all the anti-white hatred that is be spewed on campus. I get the Jewish thing. Like this for them is their Rubicon, and it should be. This is the biggest massacre of Jews since the Holocaust. No Jew in their right mind should fund a university campus. But shouldn't other groups start divesting their funds? For sure, for sure. And, you know, I hear this a lot. You know, it shouldn't have taken this, and I agree. But rather than, you know, we should never have, like, bad blood that it took people. You know, it's like the biblical parable. The man who comes in at 3 p.m. gets the same wages as the man who was there at dawn. Uh, as long as they realize the left has gone insane, we should be grateful that they realized it, even if it took them too long. Now, as for you know, normal WASPy donors, I think there's a fatal flaw here, which is if they didn't donate to their school, the football team might not win as many games, and they would feel sad on Saturday. Hey, we don't attack college football around. I'm not attacking college football. I'm only attacking the obsession with college football, and you know, I think we would have a better country if they were willing to take that leap and say, I'm not going to donate to the football team if you keep having genocidal anti-white hatred at my school. And I know that's tough. I know that's a huge burden. I know it might be the most painful thing 
the typical, you know, wealthy white male Republican has ever done. But he might have to say, not having my race get genocided off the face of the planet is more important than making sure that we beat Ohio State. I, I think there's, I Jack. mean, or Tyler. Yeah, I, I, th- I think there's something I'd, I'd, I, w- I would just add to. I mean, I don't think Blake's Blake's wrong in in any sense, um, other than like you know whatever. Obviously, time amount of times he was dropped as a child, um, but in more in the sense of I think there's something else that's going on where you know a lot of wasps just believe, and I say this as someone who's not a wasp, but um, I, I think they they actually kind of believe in wokeness in to a large extent. Like they actually, it's it's not something where they um, where they view themselves as a group that is actually experiencing oppression in the same way. It's that they look at it as, oh, we deserve this. We should have to go through this. They they have this white guilt. They have this. Um, you know, it's white man's burden, as they used to say in the past, this idea that, oh, we have to help and this is the most tolerant way we can be. So I, I just don't think they view themselves in the same type of of a group of ethnicity that you see from other groups. I just don't see it. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the defection of, you know, these donors is exciting. Blake, can you go through some of the numbers here and just some of the details Pull that up. It's exciting because finally we're starting to see these major institutions. But what's been unbelievable, Blake, is that these institutions are losing billions of dollars and they're actually still more afraid of their administration and their students. You would think that they would come out and be like, I'm so sorry. It actually goes to show that money and donations are not the most important thing for these colleges. It's definitely not. Now, they ha- there is good stuff. Uh, the Wexner Foundation, which I believe in the past has been linked to a certain infamous um, alleged human trafficker, but they're very angry at Harvard over this. Uh, There was a donor to Harvard's Kennedy School. Uh, Someone get the name for me because I can't easily search and talk at the same time. But I know that he donated about $20 million. There was someone with $200 million in lifetime donations, I believe, to UPenn. Uh, They've pulled out. So we have some big, big names that are dropping off. And uh, Idan and Vatia Ofer were, had vote, donated $20 million to the last capital campaign of Harvard Kennedy School. And they quit. They, were, they pay, gave enough money to get on the board of Harvard. And they have announced they're not going to give anything more for the time being because of uh, their shocking response, as they called it. Uh, Mark Rowan, of course, announced he's not donating, but he did more than that. He wrote an article for uh, Barry Weiss's publication saying, all you other rich people should also quit donating. So he's being very public with that. And yet you're still right at the same time. They're very terrified of their student base. Uh, Those are the people who are there right now. Uh, But the activist base of the administration and the professors, they're terrified of them. I think this is a thing on on the right. Often we, we do want to believe you know, everyone's paid for by George no, Soros or something. they're held hostage by ideologues. Yeah, they, they, well, they think, yeah, they're held hostage by ideologues, but what we do underestimate is the sheer number of people who just, they're true believers in this. Well, that's what I'm saying, is that ideology actually triumphs getting paid. Definitely, definitely. And honestly, I think this is something where the left often has an advantage over us. You know, there's, there's an awful lot of liberals who are willing to commit crimes and go to prison for what they believe in. And you know, think of all those people who would lay in front of vehicles or get arrested to try to stop like a pipeline from going up. And as strong as we feel about things, like how many conservatives on any issue are willing to actually go to prison or even get like hit by a car just for the sake of what they believe in? And that level of intensity is the reason they win a lot of things. Well, if you want if you want a thought crime, though, you ready for a thought crime, Blake or Jack? Some people thought they were willing to sacrifice a lot on January 6th. They thought that, right? And they, many of them did nothing wrong, and they get thrown into prison forever. Is part of the reason why people are afraid is because you get that chilled and you get thrown into prison? There's a bit of that, but a good comparison might be... It feels incredibly extreme to make this comparison, but you know the, the Northern Irish rebels who uh, fought against the UK, they would uh, they did hunger, hunger strikes in prison, and they cared enough that they literally several of them starved to death. Bobby Sands, Bobby Sands is a famous one. He literally starved himself to death, and I believe a few others died as well. 
that takes an enormous amount of discipline and an enormous amount of intensity. And I'm not even weighing in on who's correct in that conflict. But I do think the right certainly doesn't have a lot of people who have that level of intensity, right or wrong. And the left does have a lot of people. It's, it's sort of a mindset. They just they get that subculture of people who are willing to give they give everything for the cause, no matter how insane it is. Because it's insane. Jack, your experience, ideology or money, which is a big a bigger driver of the left's energy? Oh, well, you know, it, it, it's, it's an interesting way to, to look at it. So um, I guess I would say the, the energy is created by the ideology. The money directs the ideology. But you can throw as much money as you want at something that has no uh, true belief or true ideological critical mass of people like, for example, um, the the DeSantinistas and and their failed presidential campaign, which, you know, show me what money they didn't have uh, because they were just obviously uh, trying to you know run right off a cliff and tell people to come with them. Um, so just because you have money, but without a, a an ideology that at least fits with people, you're not going to be able to be successful or at least get to a critical mass. Uh, but with the left, no, it, it starts ideologically. And, and this is something that the left does that, you know, I'm, I'm going to get into like Trump territory here because th there's something very smart that George Soros does. Uh, there's something very clever, very cunning, very treacherous that he does. And it's simply this. He and the other left wing billionaires, whether it be Eric Hoffman, whether it be Arabella Investors, whether it be all these dark money groups, we know all the names, David Brock and his his gang. Uh, they run around and create make work jobs for people that already believe leftist ideology. Now, leftist mm -hmm. ideology comes from universities. It comes from TV shows. It comes from movies. There's so many different sources of it. It's all around us. It permeates us. It uh, it surrounds us. It penetrates us. It, it binds the galaxy together. And so uh, when the when the left wing money comes in, they create these organizations to make people be able to be professional left wing activists. This doesn't exist on the right. We believe in the private sector. We believe in the right in the right. We believe in people making money, capitalism, innovation, all of these wonderful things. But this is why when you see activists on the right or like Charlie, you get, you know, people will attack you for this all the time where you're saying, hey, we need to build something to fight back. And they'll say, oh, you're just trying to raise money and try to get rich off of politics or something and it's like no i'm actually trying to build an organization to fight back against what they have because if we don't organize then even though yeah. we have the best ideology in the world it's just entertainment and there's other okay i'm not going to go there but there there are people in the conservative media space that do not do any organizing that don't get involved in campaigns that won't stand up that won't raise their hand even though when there's a contested uh, election going on in the place where they live, they won't do anything, but they're more than happy to sit and do their podcasts and do their shows and be whitelisted on YouTube and, and run around and make money because that's all this is about for them. It's not about moving the needle. It's not. Right. And the way to move the needle is through organization, period. That's where the money comes in. Let's play cut 125. This is a, this is a, Another one, and there's just two things that I've just broken here. This 125, this is at an elementary school, I think, or a middle school, maybe a high school in San Francisco, of young kids screaming like maniacs of Jew hatred. Play cut 125. All right, geography lesson time. This is a, is it a dog whistle? I don't even want to call it dog whistle. It is a statement. It's a geography statement. That is calling for the, ab the abolition of the state of Israel and killing Jews. That means from the river, the Jordan River, to the sea. Jordan River, where our Lord and Savior was baptized by John the Baptist. It goes up to Lake Capernaum, where Jesus walked on water, all the way to the Mediterranean Sea to be free. They want the abolition of of the state of Israel. So anyone listening right now, when you hear from the river to the sea, that's what it means. It means get rid of Israel. It's code for kill Jews. 
That's what it is. It's it's in contrast to something like the two-state solution, which you know, yes. you'll hear people's tout it, which is okay. there will be a – Judea and Samaria becomes some Palestinian state. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. So, the, well, the two-state solution would be, yeah, it would be that there's like the West Bank and the Gaza Strip would be a state for the Palestinians, the uh, Muslims in the area, and then you have – Israel for the Jewish people and anyone else, I guess, who wants to be remain a citizen of Israel. Mm -hmm. And then yeah, from the river to the sea is all of this, wipe the slate clean, one state, a Palestinian state. I want to I add on to this, and then we'll, we'll get to the next topic here. Um, I want to get to Douglas Mackey. This is a professor at University of California, Davis. Boy, every day that college scam book ages like a fine wine, man. <laughs> i got to be honest. It, it was <laughs> – I got a lot. It's funny. There were donors to Attorney Point USA that are Jewish that didn't like the book. They said hey, it was too extreme, and now they think that I'm totally right. So Just, I feel this is a professor, Gemma DeCristo. I'm going to read her tweet. You ready? Put it up on screen. Gemma DeCristo, quote, one of the group of people we have easy access to in the United States is all these Zionist journalists who spread propaganda and misinformation. They have houses with addresses, kids in school. They can fear their bosses, but they should fear us more. Knife, axe, blood, blood, blood emoji. That is a University of California Davis professor. It's more readable than the usual like university paper they churn out. It is, and honestly, she should be arrested for that. I mean, that that's, I mean, like you know the law better than I do, but... Conservatives have been arrested for less proof here. Who is going, what is a worse social media post? What Gemma DeCristo just put up there or Douglas Mackey making a meme in the 2016 election? And Perfect segue, right, Blake? Exactly, exactly. So uh, Douglas Mackey, we've talked about him a lot on, on your show. Uh, I think we talked about him on Thought Crime before, but he is the uh, meme maker during the 2016 election. He was a big supporter of Donald Trump. And he made a meme that this is a joke that goes back decades. I remember this joke being told during the 2000 election when I was 10. Uh, the joke goes essentially, uh, hey, uh, hey, Democrats, be sure to vote on uh, next Wednesday. Uh, you know, the Republican elections on Tuesday, the Democrat elections on Wednesday. It was a variant of that. And it was a dumb meme that says, Hillary supporters, you can now vote by text message. Just send your text message to this number and you can vote. There is no evidence anyone actually attempted to vote this way versus any other way. There's no evidence anyone was disenfranchised by this, and there's no evidence it did anything to swing the 2016 election in the slightest. And it was, as far as we can tell, essentially only seen by Trump supporters because that's who followed this guy's Twitter account. Uh, four years after the 2016 election, the Joe Biden government, the, Joe, the uh, Joe Biden DOJ hauls this guy in, prosecutes him, convicts him in New York, in New York City, so not the most unbiased jury, Convicts him, and now he's been sentenced to seven months in, in jail, um, jail prison, I'm not sure which way it is, seven months, and he doesn't even get a stay prison. for appeal. He has to serve it right away. Uh, I know some people who are on his team. They're completely blindsided by that. They say that's incredibly rare to do. But that really gets at what's the heart of this, which is just like so many of the January 6th cases, uh, just recently the Biden administration appealed to get tougher sentences on several men who've already been given 15-year sentences over January 6th. They say it needs to be tougher. Same here. This is all very vengeance-motivated. They very much want to maximize the pain here. It is, uh, rather than a justice system, it is, it's a vengeance system in the most uh, sort of much like a tribal society that they apparently want to turn America into. Yeah, so... Let's, Jack, you've really been following the Douglas Mackey thing. What yeah. do you think is the big takeaway that people have been missing? Yeah, I would, I would throw out, though, um, that I, I have uh, heard that Doug's um, report date will be 18 January. That, of course, is also up for appeal. So they are going to try to fight that, stay, uh, try to overturn that decision. So um, uh, people have heard that they just had their first baby, Doug and his wife. And um, so it looks like they'll be able to have the holidays and then he's supposed to report on 18 January. And, and again, remember, um, this is over posting a meme, posting a, a, you know, a series of memes. By the way, there's another series of memes 
that Doug posted called hashtag draft our daughters and basically warned us that if the Democrats got back in office, they would lead us all to war. Uh, of course, hashtag draft our daughters was satire based around Hillary's embrace of and really ride of the feminism wave of the, the 90s, of course, into the 2000s, and then hoped to ride it all the way into the presidency with her infamous slogan, hashtag I'm with her, uh, probably one of the most narcissistic slogans that we've ever seen grace the face of the American presidential field. Um, but the website is memedefensefund.com, memedefensefund.com. I've donated. I encourage everyone to donate because whether or not you agree with everything that Doug has ever said or done, uh, his his meme account, of course, was known as Ricky Vaughn. It was an anonymous account. Um, a lot of a lot of trolly stuff was posted on there. A lot of memes were posted on there. Whatever. The point is, it's about having the freedom of speech to make what is essentially the modern political cartoon. So a meme is the modern political cartoon. And do you want to be a country that not only attacks cartoons like this, censors cartoons like this, but actually arrests people who make cartoons like this? And, you know, Mark Dice, um, the YouTuber and, and blogger, you know, he did a video yesterday where he was walking around, I think it was Santa Monica, saying, going to people saying, hey, you know, we've banned people from election disinformation on Facebook, but it turns out people are saying that in public. Do you think we should start arresting them? And he was having people sign a petition saying, should we arrest people for denying that Joe Biden won the 2020 election? And he was getting people left and right, left and right sign up this petition. He's like, you know, you know, they're, they're, they're not allowed to say it on Facebook. You shouldn't be able to say it. And then the, uh, over the dinner table. Right. And they these people are just signing left and right. They're more than happy to sign. Oh yeah, of course those people should be arrested. You can't be. And the one guy said the one, I think it's actually a woman says it to him. He goes, well, that's, that's a danger to our democracy. So these phrases are repeated over and over and over again. And I'm gonna sound like I'm plugging it, but Dinesh D'Souza has got his film Police State coming out. And I'm like, did Dinesh D'Souza program this week's news or this month's news to uh, you know, serve as a promotion for his new film? Because that's exactly what it feels like this country is turning into when a guy can go from posting memes to facing the bars of a jail cell years and years later over posting a, an obviously hilarious meme, which by the way, they were not even able to find anyone who actually said they thought they were voting when they sent a message to this to this number. <laughs> they weren't even able to find one victim, even at the trial, they weren't able to find a victim of this entire thing, but they said it didn't matter. And, and by the way, Charlie, I'll throw it back to you here because uh, the specific charge that they went with was actually a direct tie to President Trump. And this is a test case in many ways, because what did they get him on? Conspiracy against rights, which is one of the very same charges that President Trump is being hit with over January 6th. A lot of J6ers were hit th with this one conspiracy against rights, which is this old 19th century law that's been dusted off. It's incredibly vague. It was actually meant for the KKK. Everybody knew that uh, knew it was meant for that purpose at the time, but they've dusted it off. And it's as Blake says, uh, when he's able to string more than two words together, um, that uh, what they are doing is they're taking uh, the friend-enemy distinction and applying that now to the law. So, Charlie, I, I think I'd love to hear your analysis on this, but I, I think this is definitely a test case for Trump when it comes to that. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, all this, the, the, the test cases of them resurrecting, the, the test case for the Foreign Agent Act was Michael Flynn, right? The test case for the meme thing is Douglas Mackey. They resurrect these old laws and they find test cases in jurisdictions they like. Blake, you have a thought, then Tyler. The, the KKK Act, that, that is literally what they nicknamed the law in yep. question, this Conspiracy Against Rights Act. Yep. It's, if you read the law in question, it's so clearly meant for some form like coherent racial terrorism. You can see why it was aimed at the KKK. It's someone who uses violence, intimidations, threats to deny someone of a core right. And obviously the intent was the KKK of, after the Civil War would ride up to black people's homes and they would menace them, you know, the infamous burning crosses they became known for later, but also just, you know, much more gangster-like behavior, point a gun at them and say, if you vote or attempt to vote, we 
will kill you. And in some cases, they just did kill people as a form of terrorism. And that's so obviously what, what it's meant for. Now they're taking, they're just saying, telling a lie on the internet is a form of denying someone rights. So they're changing it from violent behavior to just saying something untrue. And then they're taking it in these totally different contexts and vastly expanding. You know, it used to be that you have to intimidate someone in a concrete way. Now they're just saying, you told a fib, and we have no victim, but in theory we could imagine someone falling for this. And they've already, this is what they're, they literally did charge Donald Trump with this exact same law. They say that by holding his rally at the Capitol and whipping up his supporters to storm the Capitol, that's what they say he did, that he was doing a conspiracy against rights. And there is essentially no limit to how this law can be abused if you accept that. You could say, uh, you know, if you, you're promoting, uh, you know, you promote this dangerous political movement. You could say you support a political movement that wants to take away the rights of minorities. That's, that's what the right wants to do. And so that's a conspiracy against rights. That's not freedom of speech. That's conspiracy against rights because your ideas are bad ideas. There's no limit to it. And this is, it's not really just a meme maker case. It is truly the case of can we get away with criminalizing the opposition? Tyler, you have a so meme I, story, then we'll wrap it up. Yeah, I had. So this week I posted uh, the, the join or die meme, the original meme, right? The original political meme. I think Ben Franklin did it, right? The join or die that's meme. Right. Yeah, that's it I, is the original political meme. 100% so so I, I posted join and in brackets Jim Jordan or die this week because everything going on, right? And um. I had all these, they, it must have got posted in one of the, in one of the lib groups on, and so they, I got like a hundred messages like, are you saying that, w that we should, you're going to kill people if they don't vote for Jim Jordan? Yes. I'm like, I'm like, oh, oh my God. So I, I like took the time, like one at a time to go through and message them and like, Hey, I don't know if you know history, but like it was about coming together or else. What I'm saying is the Republican Party is going to die if we don't come together. And they're like, oh, okay. But like, this is like the exact same thing where it's like taking memes, uh, I, I, addressing it. They, same thing. Like they, they were like coming at me. I, some of these messages were like, this person needs to be absolutely canceled because they're like wanting to kill people over Jim Jordan. I'm like, oh my gosh. It's like these people have no idea what's going on. And Blake, you brought up a really good point. What's really crazy is like nobody, or not Blake, I think it was, um, I, I think, Jack, you brought this up, was like no one was disenfranchised. Uh, like, they're throwing this kid in jail. No one was actually disenfranchised. There's no proof of it. Meanwhile, here in Maricopa County, we had all the machines shut down because they re misprogrammed or reprogrammed the machines to read the wrong size paper that literally disenfranchised thousands. They have, they have affidavits for thousands and thousands of people that would flip elections here in Maricopa County. And and there's not it's not a single Republican that's that's worth his salt that's going to take that but to Tyler, task. It's it's the thing is it's not, and I say this all the time. And you're 100 right. And we, I'm sure we can all sit here and think of a million things the libs do. President Trump being gagged, for example, by the judge in his case uh, that would that do affect as election interference. But I say this a million times. It's and it and it's it's useful to to lay this stuff out every once in a while, but at the same time, it's not hypocrisy on their part. It is not hypocrisy, it is hierarchy. They yeah. are showing us who is in power. That's why their people can storm the Capitol and walk away with impunity. The Republicans won't even hold hearing on it. They won't even go into the global intifada chat. They won't even point out the fact, they have their true names in the global intifada chat. The SPLC is an organization that has a 501c3 status. Uh, you won't even see the Republican Attorney General, I know we've talked about this on the show before, the Republican AG of Alabama will not open an investigation into that situation whether, to see whether or not the SPLC was involved in organizing the uh, this insurrection that that did, by the way, stymie and block the, the work of Congress. You'll, you won't see anything like that because our side has adopted this mindset of a second-class, second-class citizen second tier status and essentially what it is is learned helplessness uh to the point where you know let me look at us we can't even choose a speaker no it's terrible all right everybody email us freedom at charliekirk.com i want to remind you go to mypatriotsupply.com you're nine meals away from anarchy 
If you are reading the headlines, international threats, corruption, you're at home. When will it end? The trouble is it might end in disaster. Thanks to My Patriot Supply, you can prepare. The largest preparedness company in the country is dropping the price of their top-selling three-month emergency food kit. Get a delicious variety of breakfast, lunch, dinner, drinks, and more. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com or PrepareWithThoughtCrime.com. That's a new website. Really? Yes. Oh, my gosh. PrepareWithThoughtCrime.com. That is PrepareWithThoughtCrime.com. Order by 3 p.m. Today for free same day shipping. Prepare with thoughtcrime.com. These meals offer over 2,000 calories a day. You are nine meals away from anarchy. Jack, final thoughts. Yeah, well, Charlie, as you mentioned, My Patriot Supply, I would tell everybody that on MyPatriotSupply.com, if you're listening to this uh, during this week, My Patriot Supply is actually partnering with uh with human events and we are giving away a riot tank this week so if you want to get involved in the uh the sweepstakes to get yourself a street legal riot tank to get ready for everything that 2024 has to throw at us uh, myself and the team got to fly out to salt lake city last week we got to drive the riot tank we got to test the electroshock taser door handles, the pepper spray side mirrors, the smoke screen that billows from behind, the forward-looking infrared camera, the FLIR that'll help you get through the BLM Antifa riots of 2024, up armored with um, <laughs> with the uh, uh, with the glass, uh, the layered glass, which which is bulletproof. You can take an AR-15 to this stuff. So go ahead, win yourself this. It's $500,000 value. You can be yours for your subscription at, or actually, excuse me, your your entry because it's no subscription necessary, no purchase necessary, mypatriotsupply.com. One lucky winner. Mypatriotsupply.com. Email us, freedom at charliekirk.com. Till next week, keep on committing thought crimes. We'll be back in the studio next week. God bless you guys and talk to you soon. Thought crime is death.